Well, I wasn't here last week because we were doing one of the worst things you can possibly do, and that is flying back home from Kauai. Um, I'd never been to Hawaii, and apparently Kauai is different than most parts of Hawaii, uh, so I don't, I don't really know. All I know is that last week I swam with a sea turtle. I touched its back. I named it Ollie, and I love him. Uh, if you if you weren't here last week, uh, you missed out because while I was gone, Caden uh, um, Haramio, our, our youth intern, uh, did a the the sermon and he did a stewardship and he did an outstanding job, like really really good. Caden, um, that was really great, man. Uh, the the thing is, like Jacob on drums, he's thirteen. Caden's twenty. We've got a rad generation of people coming up and, you know, carrying forth the faith, and that is so exciting. Uh, if you missed it, go to coastbible.org, uh, watch it. Um, it was just it was just a really outstanding message, and right from the heart, and uh, you just put so much time and effort into doing so well, man. I really, really appreciate it, and appreciate you, so good job. Um, but today, uh, we're going to talk about um, fasting, of all things. And that's because a number of you over the last like two to three years have come to me and asked me what the deal is with fasting. And so I've been kind of sitting it, it's been in the back pocket for a while, um, and I thought today we would uh, kind of figure out what, what fasting is and whether or not it has a place in our lives right now um, as we go forward. So um, we're going to start out in Esther 4, and uh, check this out. When Esther's words were reported to Mordecai, he sent back his answer don't think you're, just because you're in the king's house, you alone of all the Jews will escape. What's going on is there's this bad guy who wants to uh, kill all the Jews. He's like proto-Hitler. His name's Haman. And uh, the Jews find out about this. And so Mordecai is begging Esther, who's the king's wife, or one of his wives, to do something about it. Uh, for if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows? Maybe you have come to your royal position for just such a time as this. Well, Esther responds. Uh, She sent this reply to Mordecai, Go gather together all the Jews who are in the city, Susa, and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my attendants will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and carried out all of Esther's instructions. Uh, At the time, it was illegal for uh, the wife to approach the king without being summoned. And the punishment could be death. And so Esther was understandably terrified about what might happen. And so she makes it an odd request. She she requests that all of the Jewish people stop eating and stop drinking for three days. Now, uh, it's odd to think, why would, why would that help? Why, why does it help to not eat or drink? And why three days? Well, if you kind of go through Scripture, fasting is actually, um, it's, it's kind of flexible. Uh, in, in fact, um, the Apostle Paul recommends uh, from time to time that you fast from having sex. Interestingly. Um, but only for like a specific time and then... Continue. So it doesn't have to be food. It just has to be something that uh, that you really, really love. That is something really, really important to you. Something that's going to cause a great deal of discomfort to give up. But why? 
Well, this is, uh, this is a picture of uh, Kitty Genovese. If you don't know uh, who she was, she was um, a resident of New York City. And in 1964, she was uh, followed home um, in the, at the beginning of March uh, by a, a criminal who stabbed her. Now, she, as soon as she was stabbed, she, she stumbled away the first time, and she began crying out for help. She was, I think it was in Queens, I'm not sure, I don't know much about New York, but she started crying out for help, and, and all of her neighbors, they, they didn't do anything. They just kind of stayed there. They just kept quiet, and nothing happened. Well, the, the criminal caught back up to her and finished the job. A second time, murdered her. And the New York Times did some research, and they found out that, that for, it took them two weeks to, to get through this. They found out that nobody had helped. No, like one person, I guess, had, had called the police after it all happened, but nobody rushed down. Nobody shouted. Nobody did anything to help Kitty Genovese. And what she was doing was she was throwing up her hands, waving for someone to notice she was in a really bad way. She was dying. And she was hoping that someone out there would, would recognize her situation and do something about it. Well, for the most part, fasting is, is, is that for us with God. It's us waving our hands up there being like, there's some really bad, scary stuff happening right now. I'm in a lot of danger. I don't know if this is going to work out, and I really need you to pay attention. I know you love me. I, you don't want to see me suffer. You don't want to see me go without. So please, please pay attention and come help. That brings up an interesting question, right? It's like, well, does God not see if we don't do this? Moreover, uh, how many people are supposed to be doing this? I mean, Esther has all the Jews of, of Susa. Do we, is there like a number of people who are supposed to? And, and does that impact the way that God responds to us? I'm going to say no. Uh, I think that God is sort of responding. Um, but maybe the, the fasting is actually more for us than for God. Because God sees everything. God's not, God's not missing stuff. Nevertheless, uh, the first thing in your note sheets... Um, when you have a really big ask, it might be time to fast. A really big ask. There is fasting that goes on for more mundane things, but the vast majority of the, of the, of our, our, of the record in Scripture is always when something really big is going down. We're going to see that. We're going we're to go through a few, more, um, a few more texts. So if you've got a really big ask, it might be time to fast. Uh, so this is from uh, Joel. Uh, Joel to jo, uh, Joel uh, is is prophesying what the, what God is saying. He says, "Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments, not your clothes. Return to the Lord your God. He is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. He relents from sending calamity." Uh, God's told Joel, "I'm going to send a plague of locusts or something like that um, if, if the people don't turn around." And God, and God says, just return. This is really interesting. In the Hebrew, uh, the verbs in this text are all plural. It's all y'all. All y'all come back to me. But the nouns are singular. So it's all y'all come back to me with all y'all's one big heart. With all y'all's one big fast and weep and mourning. All y'all rend your one big communal heart. 
and not your garments, not your clothes. The reason for this is that there's something about fasting that that almost always in Scripture, it's something that's done communally. In fact, there's only two places I've found that mentions fasting uh, as something that a single person does. And one of those is when Jesus is making fun of the Pharisee. If you remember this, the Pharisee goes up and he's like, oh, God, it's so great to be me. I'm so holy and thank you for making me so good. Why, I'm so good, unlike this sinner next to me, that I fast once a week and I give 10% of everything I make because I'm such a great guy. And Jesus is like, that's not the heart of a fast. It's like to deprive yourself of something, to give something up, to get God's attention, to say, God, I have a really big thing and I need it. This isn't something we just, we just casually do and then, and, then, and then front out like, hey, look how great I am for the, all the spiritual work that I do. Instead, almost always fasting is something that when you've got a really big thing in your life, like Esther did, you've got a really big ask and you gather people around you and you say, please, We need to do this together. Now, if you are doing this, if you're doing a communal fast, I highly recommend that you, uh, I've done this, and it's really, really not a good thing to be hanging out together while you're fasting uh, because you'll end up looking something like this. Um, (laughs) So... So our, our, uh, our Muslim friends, they, they have Ramadan. You've heard of this? Where uh, for like, I don't know, 40 days or something like that, they, uh, they, they don't eat breakfast or lunch. And <laughs> they do surveys of, of Muslims. They, they say it's really important to try and be alone as much as possible until you eat. Because there's something about hunger that makes us cranky. Hangry. And so while, while fasting is a communal event, it's also uh, it, it's something that's, that's really, really uncomfortable and can cause us to become really, really mean. Why, why would God want us to do this? Well, at the, first, at, the, at the very least, we can say this. Uh, fasting is better when, we, when done together, okay? Fasting is better when done together. It's something that we're supposed to gather people in. And I think the reason for that is what God wants to see is he wants to see the other people of faith coming and, 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 being, and showing solidarity with the person who has the big ask. For the person who's really in crisis, what God wants to see is that person not facing that crisis alone, but instead facing that crisis with others, others who are willing to give up, to, to, to have discomfort, to suffer in order to show God how much they love the person who needs the love right now. And it's also pretty good. If I'm going to suffer, I'd like to know that you're suffering too. This is a fantastic text. This is amazing. This is from uh, Acts 13. Now in the church in Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, and Menan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, Saul who would become Paul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit spoke. The Holy Spirit said, this is the only time I think that the Holy Spirit speaks in the Bible, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on Barnabas and Saul and sent them off. They blessed them and commissioned them. 
I think this might, this might give us a hint at the heart of why God calls us to fast, why it's important to God that we do this. Because it's probably not the case that they were, you know, worshiping and praying and then like the, an audible voice said, set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul. I mean, that's possible. God does talk apparently sometimes. But the, the, the Holy Spirit is, never speaks in the Bible. Um, and the only other time that, that something like this happens is in Acts 15 where um, after praying and consulting, the church in Jerusalem says, it has seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to do X. Giving the sense that there's like, as you're fasting together, as you're praying together, something happens within the community where you begin to discern or understand what God has for you, what God has for the community. And so my guess is, is that what was happening was they were all worshiping and praying. And as they were doing that and they were looking at each other and they were, and they were, they were, they started to get a sense that these two guys, Barnabas and Saul, they need to go out and do this mission. For a long time, uh, scientists believed that fasting was uh, really, really bad for you. And that's because most of us uh, know that when we're hungry, we don't feel good. We're, we're mad. No one likes to be hungry. However, uh, just over the last couple of years, the, the thinking on this has begun to change because, of all things, of a, uh, a fad diet, the intermittent fasting. Anyone here done the intermittent? Anybody? Okay. Uh, yeah, it's... Um, so, I don't know how this started, but someone decided the key to losing weight is I think you go, like, there's like a six-hour window where you can eat. Is that right? Six or eight? I don't know. I, I would never do this. What a horrible, what a horrible thing to do. You're, although, of all of us, I've needed it the most. Amazing. All right. Um, uh, yeah, like they, so if you just limit your consumption to those times, then you end up losing weight. You trick your body into um, being full and then end up consuming less calories. And there's various different ways of doing the intermittent fasting. Some of them's really, some of them are really intense where it's like 600 calories two days a week, something like that. Uh, I don't understand all of that. I do know that the scientists got excited about it. And so what they did is they decided to find out if there really were actual health benefits to fasting. And so what they did is they began forcing rats, mice, to fast. That's what the, the scientists do whenever they want to find out about how something's going to affect humans because uh, human DNA and mice DNA is actually really, really close in terms of how, how, how similar we are. Um, and so when we find out experiments done on mice tend to have the same effects on humans. What they found was fascinating. They found that um, a, a mouse that, is, that does intermittent fasting um, survives one to two years longer than a mouse that doesn't. Isn't that odd? Um, they, they found that uh, they're more resilient, too, to sickness and disease. Uh, mice who are doing intermittent fasting are slower to, com- uh, to succumb to cognitive decline. Um, they're, they're able to not go into dementia much longer than the mice that don't fast. Very strange, very odd. Why would that be? I don't know. But if you talk to somebody who's fasted, they will tell you that after you get over the initial, like, oh, I want to eat. Something happens where you become much more focused. Uh, you, there's, a, there's a certain element of energy that's, that's brought in that, that we've seen. It's still, still anecdotal, but they're, gonna start, they're starting to do human trials on this to find out the extent to which that depriving yourself um, of sustenance actually makes you better at a lot of things. 
And because focus is so greatly impacted, one of those things is your ability to listen, to hear. Silence is really hard for us in this culture. We don't like it. It's fascinating to me. I mean, I I know that if I were a kid, I'd be doing the same thing. But you see these kids now. They literally never have the the, the AirPods. What is that what they're called? Earbud pods? Whatever they are. out Out of their ears. Which is why Sam grows his hair long. To cover up his ears so that he can hide. Oh, he's clean. Good job, buddy. Proud of you, man. Cutting out that 45 minutes. Well done. Um, it, it, we, we, want, we want to constantly be distracted, engaged. Um, and that actually makes it really, really hard for us to listen, not just to each other, but to God. Fasting reminds us to shut up. Because you're, you're going through your day and you can't, I mean, you're still doing all the stuff that you do. And then, bam, you're hit with that hunger pain. And that's a reminder, a physical reminder. Shh. Listen. See what God has for you. And then if you're doing that in, in a group of people, people who are, who are supporting you and, 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 and fasting with you, you come, come together and, and you discern amongst each other, what, what did you hear when you were hungry? And in the midst of that, God can use that to let us hear his voice the voice of the Holy Spirit and bring us as a community together and aim us in the direction God wants us to go. It's the next thing in your note sheets. Hunger helps us hear. Hunger helps us hear. Last uh, text, this is really, really important. Um, this is uncommon in Scripture. When Scripture talks about fasting, usually it's very positive about the effects of fasting. This, uh, this psalm, the Psalm of David, Psalm 35, tells us that it's not all fun and games. Yet when they, this is David's enemies, were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. What David's saying is I, I went and I prayed and I, I, I made a big ask for my enemies. Because I wanted them to change. When my prayers returned to me unanswered, I still went about mourning as though for a friend or brother. I bowed my head in grief as though weeping for my mother. Another thing we wish is we wish that God was Santa Claus. And the reason we want God to be Santa Claus is because then we would be able Is that Tim Allen? Looking good. We want to be able to control God. You see, with Santa, if you're good, he has to give you presents. That's like the rule. He's governed by the rules. And the rules are, I'm good, I get an e-bike. I'm bad, I get coal in my stocking. And there's nothing Santa can do about it. 
He's like, ah, oh, boy, I really wanted to keep Tom from getting that e-bike. But elves, we have to do it because he's been so good this year. And that's the same thing we want from God. We want to believe that, oh, well, God, if I just get enough people to fast, and I wave my arms just hard, then you, you have to answer me. You have to give me what I want. It's not just fasting we do this with. We'll, we'll do this with all kinds of things. Moral living, right? Well, God, I've been good, so you have to bless me with good health. God, I, I give generously, so you have to bless my business. The fact is, God doesn't have to do anything. In fact, when God revealed himself in the fullest way, he did so by having Jesus with whom there was no flaw suffer and die to save the world. And even Jesus said to the Father, take this cup from me. And the Father said, That's the last thing in your note sheets. God's not Santa. Nothing, not even fasting, not even moral living, not even giving, not even, nothing. Nothing can force God to do what we want. So the real question uh, for us today here is, number one, is, is this something that we should do again? Is this, you don't have to. There's no, there's no rules about it. There's, no, there's nothing that says you must fast or you must not fast. There's nothing in there about the Bible. It's totally free. It's up to us. However, the, the, the scriptures do seem to indicate that when things are serious, when there's crisis, fasting is a way to bring people around you and to, in solidarity, beg God to move. And so the first question we have to ask ourselves is, do you have a big ask right now. And here's the thing. I know a lot of you do because you've told me. Um, But what's worrisome is that sometimes I'm the only one you've told. And maybe what you need is more people around you to ask a big, to to, to make the big ask. I think that's the next question. Do you, Oh, sorry. You have you tried fasting? Third question: Do you have pe- friends who will join you? One thing that, to note is that just because you know you've got a big ask, you don't have to tell people what that ask is. You don't. We can avoid gossip. We can avoid you know spreading rumors and all that. All you have to do is be like, "Hey, I trust you enough to say, will you join me right now?" And you can tell them it's a simple fast. You know, breakfast and lunch, or it could be some huge thing if you really want to punish yourself. You, you, it, but it, it, there's freedom in it. You do what you, you do it the way you want. But you need to bring people along. And you don't have to say, well, I'm just, this is what's going on in my life and it's because it's shameful or whatever. You don't, all, you, all you have to say is, I'm in trouble. We're the people of God. Will you please do this with me? That's it. And here in the family of God, I bet that 92% of the people in this room right now will say yes. And they will join you. The last question, 
Will you take a step of faith and fast to hear the Spirit speak? I don't know if uh, Kevin Klein did any fasting. But I do know that um, about a year, year and a half ago, we were at lunch. And uh, we just heard that Rebecca Stora, uh, it had been a couple months since we found out how, how bad her cancer was. And Kevin looked at me from across the table and he said, you don't need to worry about this one. God's got this. And I was like, okay. uh, Wow, that's some serious faith right there. Some way or another, I'm I'm not sure how it happened, but but Kevin discerned. He he received word from the Spirit that that God was going to save Rebecca. And God did. Maybe there's something in your life, and I don't know if it's cancer or what, but maybe there's something in your life where you have to take that step of faith and say, I need to hear from the Lord. And the only way that's going to happen is if I wave my hands and I shout and I scream and I do it with my best friends, people sometimes I don't even really know that well, but we wave our hands and say, God, this big ask, please. And we're willing to suffer. there's anybody here who has a big ask, I invite you to come to me and I will join you. And I would ask everyone else here to make the same commitment because there are some really, really deep needs in this place right now. There's some people who are really, really hurting. There's people struggling with relationships, with their brains, with all kinds of things, with money. We've got, there's a lot of people who have big asks. Will you join them when they ask you? Let's pray. Gracious God and Father, we know that you are good, that you are great. We know that there's nothing we can do that, that escapes your notice. We know that there's, there's nothing that's beneath you. And yet, God, a lot of us here are really, really hurting. For some of us, it's been years. God, give us the strength and the faith to reach out and in community, in solidarity, to wave our hands, to to suffer, to to go through discomfort, to, to get your attention, to cry out to you so you can see our hearts, see our hearts laid bare. And then, God, we ask you to move in power. Holy Spirit, speak. Give us guidance. Give us assurance. Do miracles in our lives. And then may we testify publicly about how good you've been, how you listened, how you inclined your ear to hear your servants. God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that there's no law that we have to follow about eating or not eating. But instead, you invite us to call on your name. Jesus, we thank you for your gift of eternal life, the relationship and access to the Father that makes this all possible. In your name we pray, amen.